it'll be a good and don't you worry. Um, I'm speaking this morning on the new self. Um, now, if you're, if you're a visitor, you might have wondered what the first half an hour was about, just going crazy for Jesus. Um, basically, at Revelation Church, we, uh, we, we take Jesus literally when he says that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, speaking of children. And he says, um, actually, unless you come like a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So that's really what we're, what we're about. We just love being nuts for Jesus, just being like children in his presence and just just going all out for him. And that's why, because the kids love it, we love it. And it's all about just us expressing our love for our father, for our daddy. And that's really it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, and all of that really comes out of the new self of who we, who Christ has made us. It says, Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And so all of a sudden we have this new joy, this new love for Jesus that we didn't have before. And so that's an expression of that. And really, that's really what I'm talking about this morning is that new self that new self that Jesus makes us. Um, if, we look, if, if, if you look back throughout kind of Jewish history, you'll see that actually like they were anticipating the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God would come. And uh, Jesus, Jesus himself, his, himself said in his ministry that the kingdom of heaven is near. And what he was speaking of was a time when actually God would dwell with man. And so there was this, there was this anticipation that God would establish his kingdom on earth. And he's done that in us. He's done that in us. And he will finally complete it when he comes again. It's interesting because this morning the new self is, is what enables us as Christians to live a new life in Christ. It enables us to relate to him. The new self, we were once dead, now we we're made alive. It enables us to be in relation, communion with him, to do what we were meant to be created for. Okay. So if you'd like to turn with your Bible, in your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4. And I'll be reading from verses 20 to 24. But this is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have learned about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so let's just understand a little bit about this letter that Paul's writing. Look, Paul wrote it while he was under house arrest in Rome, and it's interesting to notice that even while he was under house arrest, his, his, his heart is for the Christians, his heart is for the church. You know, even, even what's going on around him. You know, we, we sang about overwhelming circumstances in life and how, like, through Jesus we can overcome them. And Paul's doing exactly that. He's writing uh, under house arrest and he's, and he's cared, caring for the church. He's setting a moral standard for them. So I want, I want you to be encouraged that actually his, his heart was for us for, as a church. His heart was for us to be encouraged. He was teaching us in this letter. Um, he says, uh, in verse 20, he says, he begins his, this part by saying, but. It's interesting to understand what the but is there for. But is a conjunction, which means that it's a joining word. So you have one thing before and one thing afterwards with a but in the middle. Often you, you hear it, I, I don't want this one, but I want that one. I don't want to do this, but I want to do that. It's a, it's a joining thing. So we're joining Paul halfway through a point here in verse 20. So I suppose to understand the point, we really need to look at the few verses before. From verse 17, he says, 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but. Verse 20, but. He's saying, you see, he's saying, he's saying the former way of living, the way, the way we were before Jesus, he says, what does he say? He says, in the futility of their minds, it was, it was, it was void, it was without purpose, it was without direction, but he says, but. That is not the way you learn Christ. That's not the way we learn Christ as Christians, is it? We don't have a futility of mind. No, Jesus has come, he's filled us, and he has renewed our minds. So you see, the contrast that Paul is talking about is, is, is not, not, not without Christ, but with Christ. He's saying, not, not death, but life. He's saying, you once were dead, but now you're made alive in Christ. Okay, so I'm reading this passage from verse 20 to 24. I can notice three things that leap straight out at me. One, verse 22, to put off the old self. Two, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And three, to put on the new self. Um, I'd like to illustrate what Paul is talking about, so I need a volunteer, <laughs> if I can. First hand to go up. Dan Hater. Brilliant. Sneaky, can you just... Here, I have two garments. One, one, one representing the old self. So, Dan, if you would like to put on the old self. And one representing the new self. One slightly smarter. So, here, here's Dan in his old self. Okay, now, now Dan, if you would like to put on the new self over your old self. There we are. There we are. Look, looking good. <laughs> okay, you see now what, what? What? You don't have to leave the hood up. It's fine. You might, yeah, you might get arrested though. But <laughs> okay, so Paul is Paul is urging us to put off the old self. Now, my conviction, and I know I did this, is that often when we when we li- when we li- try to live as Christians wearing the new self. Quite frequently, we haven't, we haven't taken off the old self, you know? And, and often you can live kind of this compromised life where you're kind of wearing both. And it's sort of like, you, you know, you, you kind of want the best of both worlds. And here is Dan with the best of both worlds. <laughs> He's wearing the old self with the new self over the top. But what is Paul saying here? He's saying first, number one, and they have to happen in this order. He says, one, to put off the old self. So, well, no, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're still wearing the new self. Yeah. You've got to put off the old self. <laughs> okay, the confusion probably speaks at all. <laughs> it's, um, we can't do it. We can't do it. First of all, we have to put off the old self. So, Dan, if you... Okay, let's go back to being before we were a Christian. Okay, he's wearing his old self. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, put off the old self. I knew the illustration was going to go wrong somewhere. <laughs> you see, now he's now 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 he has taken off the old self. He is exposed for, I guess, what he really is. 
And this is the point that Jesus comes and he renews us in the spirit of our minds. And that enables us then to put the new self back on. You see? And <laughs> yeah, if you rip it, oh. <laughs> no, but he enables him to put the new self back on so that he can now live life as a Christian without the uncomfortableness, without the uh, in, in, like, compatible way of the old self and the new self. He's now uncompromisingly the new self. And if he tries to put the old self back on, he can't get it under. <laughs> he can't put it back on. Because, well, now, Dan. <laughs> he can't put it back on because he's already wearing the new self. So he's replaced the old self with the new self. Okay, thank you, Dan. Yeah, 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 cheers. So the question is, what is this old self? Good question. Well, in verse 22, Paul describes what it is. He says, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So it is, it's the former manner of life. It's the way we used to live. You know, in, in Romans verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 18, Paul says that, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. He says, in my flesh, me, before, me in the, the uh, former manner of life, me in the old self, there is nothing good in my flesh. But he says when, when Jesus comes, he's made new and he's made alive. So I, 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 expect, I, I expect some of you are probably sitting here wondering to yourself, actually, you know, before I was a Christian, uh, I, I actually wasn't so bad. <laughs> you, might, you might not be a Christian here and you think, actually, some of my characteristics are okay. You know, I, can show, I show compassion to people. I show care for them. And I suppose that would be true to, to, to an extent, except for the fact that if Jesus isn't in your life, then it's out of your own motivation. It's out of your own, own desire to do good. And it only fuels your, your pride, your, your arrogance, and it makes you feel better rather than having an impact. You see, that's how Paul can say, there's nothing good that dwells in my flesh. It's nothing good. You might say, well, actually, I still think that's a little bit harsh. Is it? In Romans 3, verse 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When Adam took the bite of that apple, sin came into the world and death came into the world. And so we have all fallen short. We're all sinful. That's, that's the nature of what we were. Romans 6, it says the wages of this sin, of this sin that came into the world, is death. That's the result of it. That's what it results in. Um, and it's, it's, being, it's, it's being corrupted through the deceitful desires, through the deceitful desires of our heart. So I, I, Paul's, Paul's imploring us here in verse 22 to put it off, to take it off, to have nothing to do with it, to lay it aside. You see, it's only when we understand that actually there's nothing in in my flesh that is of any good, that we can actually take it off. Because while we still think that there's some attributes in us that are, are worthy, that are noble, then we're not willing to sacrifice because we think, oh, well, you know, perhaps I can get the best of both worlds. Perhaps I can compromise. You know, perhaps have a foot in both camps. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Because in the end, you're torn. You, have, you, have, you effectively have two masters. You're trying to live two, to please two different things. One being the world, one being Jesus. 
So we need to take it off. We need to recognise that actually in our old self there is, there is nothing good. And it's only when we do that can we cast ourselves on Jesus. Okay. So, what do we do now that we've taken off this old self? Well, if you read further on, in verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Think of it like a shower. When you go for a shower, you wake up in the morning, you take off your pyjamas, you, you step into the shower and you take a wash. You get clean. And you wash off all the dirt of the night before, all the dirt of the day before, or whenever, since whenever you last had a shower. <laughs> Joel, don't look at me like that. <laughs> but there's, there's, that, there's that washing there's that renewing of your minds. There's that renewing that comes when, when, you, when you wash, when you wash in Jesus, when he comes and he renews you. It's interesting to say that only Jesus can renew our minds. However hard we try, whatever we try and do, only Jesus can actually renew us. You know, that's what happened when we, when we became a Christian. He took us from death and he made us alive. We were, de- we were destined on a road to eternal destruction, the Bible says, and actually, we were transformed to a path to glory, to be with him. We were placed in Christ. We were out of Christ. We're now in Christ. It's interesting, isn't it? I'd like to, I'd like to just cross-reference at the moment Romans 12, verse 2. Um, I'll just read it out. There's no need to turn to it. Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, he's encouraging us there to make that journey with Christ, to put off the old self, be renewed. He says, don't conform, be transformed. Okay? So, what, what, what he's saying is effectively, if we... If we be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So if we are renewed in our mind, we'll be transformed. It says that. It says, it says be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's how we get transformed, by the renewal of our mind. Okay, so I suppose if you think about it, it's logical. Because if you believe something, if you believe something in your heart, if you've truly been renewed in your mind and you think something to be true, that will transform you. That will transform the way you live your life. That will transform your priorities, your direction, what you're living for. You think about it. Martin Luther King had a renewal of the mind. He believed in a multiracial society. And his actions lived that out. And in fact, it cost him his life. The fact is, his, his dream, that famous speech that he gave, was, was, was to see a multiracial society, and that was demonstrated by his actions. It was demonstrated by his actions. Now, that, that, for instance, is a positive aspect. For instance, there are negative ones. However crazy people are, if they believe something, they'll do it. We only have to think back a couple of years to the July 7 bombings. These people believed it. And look what happened. It's a very dangerous thing to believe something unfalteringly to the point where it, it may well cost you your life. And that's what Jesus is imploring us to do uh, when he says that if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's interesting. I wonder, I wonder what you struggle 
to put off in your own life. I wonder if it's pride, greed, selfishness, lust. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could think of that were akin to our former way of life, how we used to live, that actually we're to take them off, we're to be done with them, and we're to cast them on Jesus, and we're to be renewed. We're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. How do we do that? Meditate on the word. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if, if, if anyone actually struggles to tame the tongue. James, James wrote a chapter on it. That's how important he saw it. And yet we're so flippant with our language. We can be so blasé. Words are powerful. You know, we can speak life, we can speak death. How can, how can, how can fresh water and salt water come from the... Are the words that you speak fresh water or are they salt water? And if so, can the two come from the same spring? You see, by what we say, we can build up a church, we can edify the church, we can encourage them, we can, pres- we can enable people to be presented to Christ holy and blameless on that day when he returns. But by the same token, we can divide, we can separate, we can, we, we can effectively cause gossip, we can cause factions within the church and we can do a lot of damage. That's why with our words we need to be so conscious of what we're saying. We need to be so conscious of, of not necessarily how we say it, but what we're saying. You say, oh, well, you know, people just need to grow up and just need to kind of accept it. But, you know, the Bible tells us to take responsibility for what we say. You know, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) How are we renewed in the spirit of our minds? How do we do it? Well, we stay close to Jesus. That's what we read about in the Word, staying close to him. Meet with him, meet him. He's He's written us a love letter of how we can know him of how we can meet him, of how we can journey with him through life, of how we can be renewed, how we can change our thoughts, how we can prioritise correctly. If you, see, if you see a godly attitude in somebody, go after it. Hunger after them. Somebody, you might know somebody that's particularly pure. Go after it. Ask them, get alongside them. How do you do it? What do you do? What's your practice? Learn from them. You might know somebody that, that revels in the word of God. Get alongside them. Ask them about it. What do they do? How do they do it? It's, a bit, it's, a, it's about building one another up. I, I suppose I have the privilege every morning of spending an hour and a half on the, on the train on the way to work and an hour and a half back. It's a, it's a long commute, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Because in those times, I, am just, I just love it. I just, you know, I've got books out, I've got my Bible out, I'm praying, and it's just great. Because it's just an hour and a half, me and Jesus. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's just about making, making our lives that practice of walking with him, of journeying with him. You know, it's funny, isn't it? We say, we say oh, well, I haven't, I haven't got time, you know, so I'll just do a quick Bible study this morning. I'll just, you know, slot it in before I, before I rush out. But the fact is, if we don't prioritise our time with Jesus, then it will just get lost, it will get squashed out. Because it's a priority, it will just move further and further down the scale. You know, we can't, we can't make time for Jesus, but we can make time for what we want to do. Can't we? We can make time for a shopping trip. We can make time to go to the cinema. We can make time to stop for a coffee on the way to work. You know, we can, we, we can, we can make time for things that actually aren't, aren't going to benefit us. Wouldn't it be much better if we, if we prioritised our time with Jesus? Prioritise it. 
Make it first in your day. And build your life, build your day around that. Walk with him. Take a journey with him. It's like a, I suppose, it's like a radiator, isn't it? The closer you are to a radiator, the warmer you are. The further you get, the colder you are. Don't you want to be next to the radiator where the heat comes and you could be warm and you could be oh, just warmed from right within you? You, you know, you sit next to a radiator and it kind of gives you that skin tingling. You're kind of, ooh. But there's, that, but there's something that it warms your insides as well. You know, it sort of goes right through you. But then the further you get from that radiator, you know, less and less of the heat you can get. You can stand over the other side of the room and you can still feel it, but you might not benefit from it. You won't get warm because you're over the other side of the room. So let's get right close to Jesus. Let's, let's stick right in with him. Let's talk with him on a daily basis. I wonder, I wonder if, if, if in your work situations at uni, wherever you are, I wonder if you ask Jesus to help you. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He, you know, I mean, he created your position. He created your workplace. He created your colleagues. You know, he understands probably better than we give him credit for. You know, I, like, I mean, I've really been challenged by this because I, I suppose I, I, never, I never did it before. <laughs> I never did it before. But then I was really challenged by actually, if Jesus created the world, then he understands far better than I do. So ask him. Ask him. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and be receptive to it. So let's stay close to Jesus and let's be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Thirdly, let me just turn back to Ephesians. Verse 24. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness to put on the new self okay so we've put off the old self we've been renewed we've been transformed our priorities have changed we're now living for another purpose we're now living for another master let's put on the new self let's clothe ourselves with the new self what is this new self that Paul is referring to he says well the new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Speaks of purity. There's, there's, there's a purity about this new self. Just like uh, Tanika and I went down to visit my, uh, well, our, our new niece yesterday. And just, I mean, she's about three days old. And it's just, there's just she's completely, it's almost like she's untainted by, by the world. She's so innocent. She's completely dependent on her parents and it's like she's pure she's she's just so yummy <laughs> but there's but there's that there's that there, there, there's that desire for that purity that that intimacy that she shares with her parents she's so um just so innocent and just so clean you know it's like it's like when we when we become christians in christ we're made spotless we're made holy we're made righteous and just like we're made innocent, just like that little girl, we're made innocent, we're made pure by Jesus. And so we put on the new self. Now this new self is a continual battle to put it on and keep it on. And I'm fully aware of that. I struggle in my own life to keep that new self on. 
You know, you put it on and then you walk out the door and all of a sudden you, you think, why did I get so angry? I can't get so angry at that. You know, that's not me anymore. I don't, I don't fly off the handle at anything. You know, I don't, I don't just like bad mouth people. I don't gossip about people. That's not, that's not me. That's not my new self anymore. And it's a battle and you've got this turmoil kind of going in your mind. And I suppose I could, I could describe to you what the new self is like. I could define it for you, give it to you, package it up, send you on your way. But if you didn't apply it and you walked out of here and there was no application, it would effectively be useless. It, would have no, it wouldn't have no substance in you. It might challenge you, yeah. I've been challenged many times. The question is, how many times have I been changed? How many times have I let that challenge renew me and actually change me to be more like Jesus? You know? So I want to give you, I want to give you, I want to give you three uh, illustrations, as it were, to give you a picture of how this new self can be applied, of how we, as Christians, can apply this new self. My first example is Peter. Now, if you know, if you know uh, any of the Gospels, you'll know that Peter was a little bit of a mad loud. He was a bit of a loud-mouthed fisherman. He was pretty brash. I mean, he, he came across to the point of, I mean, some of the stuff he comes out with is, you just think, Peter, what are you thinking? Like, he's on another planet half the time. But, he's, but, there's, but there's a hunger in him. You know, I mean, you see it. Before Jesus' death, he, was, he, he understood Jesus' mission on countless times, even to the point where Jesus had to rebuke him publicly and say, Peter, you, you just don't understand. <laughs> you just missed the point. You know, you see his reaction at the transfiguration when Jesus presents himself in his glory and Moses and Elijah appear, and in Elijah appear, he tents. He tents. Okay, <laughs> if you want... What's going on there? You know, it's kind of like he—he's he, trying to—he's trying to express himself, but he, it's kind of like he can't get over, like his sort of bumbling fisherman attitude to kind of try and simplify events to kind of just get a logical process so he can see things through and um, do what he wants to do. But interestingly, even at Jesus' death, a few hours previously, he'd said. He said, Jesus, I will go with you anywhere, even to death. I will follow you to death. And then he's standing there in a courtyard as a girl challenges him and says, weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, oh, no, 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 not me, not me. And he denies Jesus three times before the cock crows. But you know, it's funny because I take such comfort from Peter to know that that's what he was like. That was his character. (laughs) That was him. But then in Acts 2, what happens? He stood before a crowd and he preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved. <laughs> what happened to Peter? What happened to him? From this bumbling fisherman to this preacher boy travelling you know, all over the world, establishing churches, building people up, seeing people saved. What happened to him? Well, he put on the new self. He was filled with the Spirit. He accepted Jesus to come and change his life. The Holy Spirit now lived within him. So in my flesh dwells no good thing. But in his spirit now dwells the Holy Spirit. That was the key. The fact that Peter 
was now standing before the crowd filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder, do you experience Jesus' power? Do you experience it like, like, like Peter experienced it? If we've put on the new self, it's the same Holy Spirit working through us. And if it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then surely I should be seeing something with that power. Jesus said, you will do greater things than these. So when we put on the new self, we do greater things because of what Jesus has done. Peter, the bumbling fisherman, in Acts 2, no, Acts 4, says... Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin. They've been dragged in, and the Sanhedrin are the kind of, I suppose, religious sort of, they were in charge of sort of what went on within Judaism. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach, but all at, sorry, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So Peter, who is denying Jesus, is now standing before the Sanhedrin, telling them that actually he can't help it. (laughs) There's something within him. There's something that's got hold of him. He's, He's... He's, he's, not, he's not buffeted by their accusations, by their threats. All of a sudden, he's standing firm, and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. He's put on the new self. My second example is that of the early church. In Acts 2, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I mean, ever they had, so they could give it to the poor. It's a, it's a description of what they did. It doesn't mean we have to do it. It's not prescriptive of how we have to live our lives, but it's an example. There was such a joy that was in them that they wanted to meet people's needs. They wanted to share with people what they had. They wanted to sell their possessions and give them to people as they had need. Jesus said himself, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Wealth and materialism is a massive trapping in, I suppose, Western culture. You know, how can, how can I, you know, get a better job, better house, better car? You know, it's constantly that sort of bettering yourself. But it's all materialistic, it's all wrapped up in this kind of better yourself, make yourself better. They're not necessarily bad things, but if they take priority over Jesus, then they're detracting from his glory. You know, it's, it's, why, it's why the rich man came to Jesus and said, what must I do? And he says, go, sell all of your possessions, and then you'll, receive, then you'll enter the kingdom of heaven. There's that, there's that giving over everything that you have, submit, sub, submitting and sacrificing your entire life to Jesus. Now, he may well give that back to you. Once you've given up ownership of it, and it, has no, it no longer has a place in your heart, he may well 
bless you with it. Do you see? He may well give it back to you as a blessing. Tozer, Tozer calls this the, the blessedness of possessing nothing. When we, when we hold nothing, when we have nothing in our hands, but we cling to Jesus, and then what he gives us is we receive it. And we don't prioritise that gift over him. We need to love Jesus. We need to receive, his, receive what he gives us, how he's blessed us. Students, you might say, oh, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a job. Like, I'm only going to be here for three years. Um, I don't know, really. You know, I might just wait until after I've finished university and maybe get married and then I can get stuck into a church. That's a very dangerous attitude to have because there's a procrastination that comes. You're not sacrificing your entire life to Jesus. You might say, oh, well, I'm only here for three years so, and then I'm going home. But the fact is, Jesus only preached for three years. He turned the world upside down. There's a sacrifice that has to be made, whether it's, whether it's materialism, whether it's time, whether it's effort. It, it has to be made. I mean, I suppose there's no easy way to say it, but it's, but it's a joy. When you realise that actually Jesus, Jesus, is, Jesus is beautiful, Jesus is glorious, and he wants to bless us, and he wants to give us good gifts. It's not that he wants to remove some of our fun, some of what we want to do. But actually, he wants, he wants us to be completely dependent on him so that he can be our joy, so that he can fulfill our needs, so that he can delight to, to give us those blessings. <coughs> my third example, my third example is the church, Revelation Church. That's it. We are the new self. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. If we are in Christ, we've put on the new self. Now, something that I've noticed within the church is that there's such love. There's such, there's such heartfelt connections with their meaningful relationships. That means that I want, to, I, I, want to, I want to sacrifice for brothers and sisters. You know, I want to help them out. I want to, I want to join them as we follow Jesus. We're nowhere near perfect. You know, it's a constant battle to put on that new self. We're not perfect. We don't pretend to be. But the fact is, if we have put on the new self, we are a new creation. Jesus said in John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another. So let's love one another. Let's, let's express God's love to each other. Let's... let's, let's Let's be willing to sacrifice for one another. Go the extra mile. Jesus, Jesus said, if a, if, if a soldier asks you to take his armour for a mile, go another mile. Now, the, the, the Romans were the prevailing force at the time. They were, they were horrible people. They would, they, would, they would effectively punish the Jews like that. But he's saying, actually, like you're to do much more much more than what's expected of you. And so in the same way, I want to I encourage us to give much more. I know, I know we're giving a lot. I know there are some of us among us who are giving a lot. But there are some that aren't. And that's just the reality, you know. So I want to encourage people, give. Give of your time. Give of yourself. Because the church is the thing that will last. The church is eternal. What better way to invest than invest in eternity?
Invest your time, invest your money. Invest your things, invest your possessions, invest everything that you are in eternity. Now this whole new self, as I spoke about before, is in, antas- is, is in anticipation of the new heaven and the new earth when God establishes his kingdom in full. Now we see by glimpse. Now the kingdom's come to live inside of us, but it's not established in the world. It's our job as Christians through the Holy Spirit to establish that kingdom. And it's exciting. But if we read in um, Revelation 21... of this new kingdom, of this new self that has come to dwell inside of us. Listen to this, and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll finish. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. That old self has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Don't you long for that day? Don't you long for that day when he makes a new heaven and a new earth? That's what we're hanging out for. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing in our worlds, in our lives. That's what he's doing in us with the new self. The new self. Put it on. Put it on. It will bless you. It will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Put it on. He is 100% for us. I'm just going to pray and then we'll go back into worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you that it is entirely by you, Lord, that we can even enter into anything of this new self, Lord. We were, we were dead in our sin, King Jesus. Lord, we were lost. Lord, we were running around in the darkness, Lord, with... Lord, we were aimless. But King Jesus, you've made us alive. Lord, you've turned on the lights. Lord Jesus, and we're now in you. Lord, you've clothed us. Lord, you've renewed us in our minds, King Jesus. Lord, we now live in the new self. Lord, fill us with your spirit, King Jesus. Lord, that we would be empowered to live this new life. Lord Jesus, I pray you would, Lord, you would highlight areas in our lives, Lord, that we need to sacrifice. Lord, where we can give more. Lord, where we're holding back. Lord, the things that we want to keep for ourselves. Lord, we need, Lord, we need you to help us give them up. And Lord, will we submit 100% to your word, King Jesus. Lord, that what you said, Lord, Lord, it says your word is truth and life. Lord Jesus, I pray with your truth and your life speak into our hearts. Lord, will we let it search us? Will we let it challenge us, King Jesus? Lord, would we let it change us? Change us for your glory. Amen.